Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. Here on The Fan, I like how uh, <laughs> the beep on the fly of some Papa Roach by Eddie Garrison, like, oh, shoot, he cusses right here. I forgot to click the clean version on that one. So hey, I was like, as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, yeah. Tip the cap, good save, no harm done. It was great Made editing on the fly, man. That was awesome. <laughs> Love that. I like, want to welcome in Nate Atkins, Colts beat reporter for the Indy Star, joining us here on The Fan. Nate, uh, good afternoon to you. How much music do you enjoy that has cussing in it? Anything come to mind, band or artist? Uh, well, I, I I go back with Papa Roach a little bit. Uh, that was <laughs> that was pretty big in my high school years. And uh, someone who, yeah, every time I go to the gym, it's got to have a little bit of uh, vulgarity in it to get my blood flowing. So that's pretty normal. Fair enough. Anybody else come to mind? I don't know. You, I, I, I'm trying to think of. I've got. A, I'm trying to think of ones that are clean. You know what I mean? Like, what else is in the arsenal for you? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking just that genre. I mean, uh, you know, Three Days Grace, Event Sevenfold, uh, Rise Against. It's all sort of the same same boat to me. They're just angry at life. You got to let some f bombs go. You know, it, it just happens. Absolutely. Uh, did you let any f bombs go when you were watching Anthony Richardson's performance there, Nate? <laughs> uh, I mean, I certainly loved the uh, the throw he made down the the right sideline to Alec Pierce that uh, Pierce didn't end up pulling in. So that was sort of like a you, know, you could you could drop an f bomb there just in in sort of the excitement of, of what that could look like once they get that connection down. Uh, you know, it was one of those – I felt like we got the whole package with Anthony in that first game because you had uh, the upside there, that you know, that, the easy flick of the wrist and ability to just get the ball in a perfect place down the field. Uh, you had the downside, too, of, you know, not being on the same page with receivers and throwing an interception or rushing a couple throws. And then you had the growth where, you know, he got – he calmed down after a first drive where I thought he was very hoppy and rushed and, and ended up getting more into a flow. And you had, you know, he talked on the sideline about, you know, how he's got to, he's got to not be reckless with the ball. That's the kind of growth that, that you want to see out of a young quarterback. So everything there, even though it was just three drives in a preseason game and vanilla schemes, I thought it was the exact package of what I thought he was going to be. And just curious to see kind of how that builds over time. Nate, where was your bar for him just for this game going in, knowing he was going to get a quarter of action? And how did he do against where you maybe envisioned things playing out on Saturday? Yeah, I was I was pretty impressed. I mean, there's uh, there's certainly things to nitpick. His final stat line didn't look great, and it and it changes a ton if you you know add in a 45 yard touchdown or you take out an interception that was. I think more Isaiah McKenzie's fault, you know, as a veteran who's got to step up and make things easier for his quarterback. But certainly, was uh, that's that's still on the quarterback some too. So, I mean, I, I, my expectation for Anthony has always been that it was go, it's going to be a work in progress. I think people just accelerate things way too much with rookies because it is exciting to get you know one at the number four pick, and it is the most important position. You get wrapped up in the upside of what they can be. 
But it always takes time for guys to get there. There's almost you almost never find a situation where the quarterback's drafted in the top ten and immediately comes out and plays great as a rookie and leads his team to the playoffs. It's pretty much Andrew Luck the year he did it, and it's hard to find another version like that. You know, you have guys who can have a big rookie year like Justin Herbert did with Shane Steichen, and his whole coaching staff got fired because they didn't win enough. Or you have, you know, a lot of situations where just the, the rookie year is is either subpar, like it was for Trevor Lawrence, or it's it's fine, but it's not, you know, it's not electric. Like Joe Burrow's first year was just kind of fine, and the Bengals won like four games, and he had a serious injury, and so it's always the work in progress with rookies, and I think it's it's got to be even more of that for Anthony Richardson than someone like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, who I think come in having already, you know played like the realized versions of themselves on the college football playoff stage. Anthony has started 13 games above high school and, you know, he in, in wasn't particularly great in those. So everything about drafting him is about what he can become. If you give him uh, the right scheme and the right consistent coaching and you drill on the, the fundamentals of, you know, footwork and accuracy and you, you know, end up bringing out some of that historic athletic upside along the way, there's, there's a world where he's, he's you know, if he hits his ceiling, he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. He has that kind of ceiling. But there's it almost never works out where that's what they are as a rookie. And I think people just got to brace for the fact that this year is all about getting him those reps to start kind of working through the issues that were there at Florida, the reason that he was the number the, – or the third quarterback taken in the draft and not the first with all that upside – and there's going to be losses and bumps in the road along the way, but it's all about what can he be in 24, 25, 26. And if they get him in that kind of a place, then it'll be a great pick. He's Nate Atkins from the Indy Star joining us here on The Fan. Based on Saturday and also what you've seen from him in training camp, what would you say right now is his biggest strength and his biggest red flag? Uh, his biggest strength is his ability to move within the pocket when there's pressure. So there's, that is a very hard thing to learn, especially for rookies. A lot of times what rookies will do is they, they're aware that they have to avoid pressure, but they're like staring at the pass rush and not at the routes. And it's just hard to connect the two things, the sort of the post-snap picture with what they assumed was coming pre-snap and then what's actually in the face. And Anthony just has a great way of, keeping his eyes downfield and just sort of moving naturally within the pocket. That's where you see that, you know, the, the upside he showed at the combine with some of the vertical and broad jumps. That's how he kind of launches from one spot to another with such great grace and balance in the pocket to, you know, absorb contact and still keep, you know, good footwork in order to make a throw. The biggest weakness though, is just sort of the opposite of that is when he's not, and under under any pressure, when he's just sort of standing there doing the boring, simple stuff, that's where he just tends to get a little hoppy, tends to rush things. His release can sometimes be a little higher than you want, so the ball can sometimes sail. You saw that on Saturday with even some of the completions. Michael Pittman Jr., who's six four and has one of the biggest wingspans in the NFL, had to extend the full way on a hitch route that I just – Normally, you'd like it this to be a little bit more uh, in a more normal place. So just the ball placement, I think, for him is still the consistency of the ball placement because there's moments where, especially when he throws a fade route or something 
something where it's 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 he knows it's going to involve more. Uh, it tends to be really really good. It's just those those kind of simple throws when he's standing flat footed and no one's around him. It just it gets away from him sometimes, and that has happened consistently uh, in college and, and so far in the NFL. That's just the thing though that they have to they have to get him doing it so often and get just one one system of voices in his ears uh, as far as quarterback trainers to iron through that, that he's never really been in that environment to learn that way. Uh, so that that's kind of where he's at right now, I think. Nate, this is a big week in terms of the amount of reps you can force feed Anthony Richardson. We've seen one step of the week taken yesterday or on Saturday, rather, with the matchup against the Bills and his one quarter play. We've dissected that a little bit already. When you look at upcoming joint practices and the lead into the preseason game number two against the Bears, what are you looking for this week out of him? Where do you want to see? I don't want to say instant growth, but but where are you maybe changing your prism of viewing him this week? with what you saw on Saturday in the back of your mind? I mean, I think what would be nice to see is at least one moment where he can sort of, I don't know if this will happen, probably would happen more in the preseason game than the joint practice with how they run it, but I'd love to see a moment where we see that upside as a runner because on Saturday he had some you know, impressive moments of getting out of pressure and, and absorbing some contact, but he just didn't really get a lane into the open field the way that I would love to see just because of I know how fast he is from watching him at the combine so that would be fun just to just to kind of give everyone a glimpse of that and let him feel it that way it's hard in these settings where they whistle plays dead it's sort of taking out one of the best qualities that he has and making him kind of focus on those weaker areas and so then with the weaker areas I mean that play, like he threw the interception on to Isaiah McKenzie. Well, you know that may be, and maybe Isaiah McKenzie didn't turn around in time, communicate it right. But Anthony's got to get to a point where he's not just forcing the ball anyway, where he can he can read in the moment where it's not there, it's not going to work this way, and either he needs to hold the ball and scramble and use some of that pocket movement and uh, you know physicality and speed. Or he's got to just throw it into the stands and realize, like, you have another play to do this. Not every single play has to be you making it and in, in wowing everybody. So that's just some of the stuff that happens with young players. And that's why you get them reps like in the preseason so they can drill through that. And I think it helps each time they go up against a new team, joint practices, or a preseason game like they will this week with the Bears, just to get a different sort of scheme and different surprises uh, he's gotten to the point where I think he knows what he's getting out of the Colts scheme for the most part. Uh, but each new team he faces, that's where you just really get to see the challenges pop up because of just how little he's played. Nate, you think he's ready to start in week one? Yeah, I think that's definitely going to happen. The only thing I think is going to throw that off is if he has an injury that either obviously keeps him out of that game or loses enough time to where he just – not quite ready uh, because of loss of practice time. But right now the way I look at it is that I think you could argue that both Anthony and Gardner Minshew have a certain floor that's very different that they bring to this team. Gardner has the knowledge in the playbook and you know the experience level to you know not force mistakes like that interception we've been talking about. There's sort of a safe nature to him that they know what to call for. 
Anthony's floor is just that rushing ability that you can design that way, that the way that opens up lanes for the backs, like we saw with Deion Jackson, there's a certain element he's going to bring even when he's not perfect at everything else. But only one of those guys has the upside of making throws like Anthony did to uh, Alec Pierce or running over someone for a first down. And I just think if they're going to build this offense for Anthony, that is very much about the quarterback run game and the deception there and the uh, RPO with the quarterback run element. I don't know how they can do that with Gardner Minshew as the starter the same way. He's just not that type of player. He can move a little bit, but he's not a designed runner type of player. So the danger they're going to get into if they start Gardner is that, you know, at what point, at some point you're going to bring Anthony in and make him the starter this year, and you just have to redo the offense at that point. Why not just start with the offense, teach it to everybody, and go through the growing pains so long as you feel like you can insulate him enough to not struggle enough to lose people's confidence. And, you know, and, and just that, that you trust him to grow and learn this way and not kind of be consumed by that, which is everything we've seen so far is how much he loves to, to work at this, how much he loves learning and focusing on his weaknesses, even, you know, not even though it's not necessarily the most fun thing to do, he's he's been into it. And, you know, and I just think like, it's in a year like this where they don't have a team that is going to is probably not going to contend for anything even a division title this year what's going to really matter is is finding those moments of hope along the way so throw like he had to Alec Pierce even that a couple times a game even when they don't win the game i think sends a big message to the rest of the team about where this is going and what the season's about and i think if you're not ever showing that upside but also losing games with Gardner Minshew uh, which I just is not about Gardner. It's more about the state of this team. I just don't think that's the smartest way to go. Uh, Nate, really appreciate the time, man. It's good to catch up with you, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. Absolutely. Good to talk to you guys. Thanks, Nate. All right, Nate. There he is, Nate Atkins, Colts beat reporter for the Indy Star, joining us here on The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Lara Overton, Colts reporter, host, producer, joining us here on the show. You know, Lara, we'll get to the Colts. I want to know about you first. What was the <laughs> highlight of your weekend? That's what I want to know. Uh, do you mean like game? You mean not not game wise? It could be game wise. Or... It could be game wise. Give me game wise and non game wise. All right. Uh, I think uh, game wise, what it's always for me the preseason is so special because you get to do the in game interviews, which I always have so much fun with. So I think one the opportunity to grab Anthony Richardson in the second half. Like he was right off of his first start in the NFL. I just, and I thought he was so candid and uh, just gave some really great insight and perspective. And then I also really liked having some fun with Gardner Minshew because here's what you guys didn't see on the broadcast is there was this moment in the game where you could probably tell how the winds were swirling there. And it tends to do that in Buffalo because they're so close to the water and all of those things. So it can get pretty gusty. Well, at one point, my notes actually got ripped off of my clipboard and started just barreling toward the field. 
they're at the t- they're at the twenty. They're at the ten. Uh, touchdown for my stack of notes, which is pretty comprehensive. A security guard had to grab it out the back of the end zone and bring it over to me. Um, I joked, actually, one of our videographers, Matt Wilkening, captured the video of it, and I joked that we needed Matt Taylor to do a play-by-play in the Don Fisher voice and narrate my notes, just tumbling over and over through Highmark Stadium. Um, so those were a few funny things. So with the uh, with the conditions, with the weather and everything, I ended up having to pull my hair back into a ponytail. It had been down. The wind was crazy. So going into my interview later in the game with Gardner Minshew, I'm, I said, I just called it out. I'm like, oh, you know, the wind has been crazy down here so much. So I had to go to a ponytail. However, Gardner Minshew's hair is still perfect. Um, (laughs) And it was. I was very envious. He'd had a helmet on. He'd been sweating all of that. Still Gardner hair game so strong. Um, And then one thing just off the field, um, I always look forward to whenever we travel, whenever we're on the road, I get a chance to catch up with friends of mine who work in the league in that city, whether whether they cover the team or work for the team. So I went out to dinner on Friday night with Maddie Glab, the Bills reporter, and then Cynthia Freeland from mm. NFL Network and got to spend some time with them. And um, I mean, you guys are well aware of Cynthia's work and, and she's just one of the most brilliant human beings like flat out. So it's always I just like try to sit as close to her as humanly possible to absorb uh, all of her intellect by osmosis. Yeah, she's great. And I just have to tell you, Lara, because if I go to a game and there's a squirrel or some random animal <laughs> that's running for a touchdown and doesn't know that they are. And they always pause at like the two yard line and then they go right. in the end. So I cheer for that animal like it's a game winning touchdown. I would have cheered the same way for your notes if Thank they you. just stopped Thank at you. the five and then got in. The, yeah, I would have given it a standing ovation. I appreciate I appreciate the heck out of that. It's also like the baby racer baby races at the Pacers game sometimes. You'll see the one baby take off and then he like gets three quarters of the way there and he all of a sudden is like deer in headlights and then the baby who like didn't get off the line till a full forty five seconds later is all of a sudden like beating him, catching him up too, you know, and t- wins like a year's worth of diapers or something. I don't know. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Uh, okay, so you talked to Anthony Richardson. What did you think about his performance before you were able to talk about uh, talk to him about it? Uh, you knew that you knew that he was going to be kicking himself about the interception. Um, and I watched his demeanor coming off the field. That's what I was really interested in. Was okay. How is he going to respond? How is he going to you know after that opening drive? And he, as soon as that he threw it, you know, he was looking back at the video board to see that replay of exactly what happened um, on the play. And then when the entire offense came off the field on fourth down, um, or and uh, I looked over and Isaiah McKenzie was the first to run up to him and was like in Anthony's ear. So I was really interested too, to know what that conversation was. So one of the things like, you know, I thought from the whole thing was when he came out for the second series, he was just so poised and was able to shake off that interception really, really well. Um, and I thought the communication on the sidelines was really good in terms of how they were going to adjust and really quickly address, you know, what happened on the interception. And then I thought, you know, he, he showed some fantastic flashes in that uh, succeeding drive. The throw to Pierce was an absolute beauty of a ball. Um, you know, in the end zone, should have been a TD. I also felt like it was unfortunate that when you finally saw 
his legs on display and he takes it down, I think inside the five maybe, the play was on the opposite sideline. It was over on the Bills sideline. And it was unfortunately called back by a penalty. I was like, dang, man, that was those were two really, I thought, outstanding plays that you would have had those come to fruition, had those been successful plays. I think you would have felt even stronger about the performance. But, you know, I thought overall it was a really encouraging start for him. Um, and I think that it gives you something to build upon. That's what I think is most beneficial from the whole thing is you saw good and you saw bad. And now he has these critical two joint practices where he's able to adjust from the things that he saw in game. So I think what is most important coming out of Saturday is what do you see he, Shane Steichen, the rest of the offense implement over these two days of joint practice, Wednesday, Thursday, and then how do they handle the game on Saturday in terms of evaluating where he is to potentially be your regular season starter. Lara Overton with us, host, producer, reporter for your Indianapolis Colts. Lara, my overall takeaways was mixed bag from Anthony Richardson, but but overall I was you know content with what I saw. I left, though, wanting more. Did, did you have a similar sentiment on that, of, of looking forward to seeing when these next reps and opportunities will be for him? Oh, absolutely. And you could tell he was hungry to get more. Obviously, they had a plan going in of exactly how much work he would see in that opener. And I think that's a great thing that you, everyone, or at least everyone I've talked to, walked out of it as, man, you saw – he. He left you wanting to see more what he does when he does have, you know, more weapons at the tight end position. You think about it, like the guys who he was playing with, of course, like that group has been ravaged by an injury the last few weeks. What does it look like when you have more guys in there to work with? You know, what does the running back group work with when it's, you know, not just Evan Hull and Deion Jackson and Jake Funk and, uh, you know, the rest of the guys that you had? What does it look like when he's able to get in there you know, with other guys, hopefully at some point you, you would hope that that is Jonathan Taylor. Um, so I do think that it was really good in terms of what he had to work with in that situation. I thought the offensive line play was really strong. So I do think that it'll be that that's just going to continue to grow. And I think he's going to take on a heavier workload as we go into these couple of joint practices. And it'll be interesting to see how the reps are divvied up between first and second team offense. She's Lara Overton, Colts reporter, host, producer, joining us here on The Fan. I'm going to be honest with you here, Lara, and I'll give you a, a brief Cliff's Notes version of my, uh, <laughs> my Anthony Richardson comments on the show today, which is, well, I, I agree. a little bit earlier. I was in the car, and I uh-huh. know that you referenced Tasker, which I, of course, didn't hear Tasker's assessment. Yeah. But I kind of heard you recap a little bit. So, yes, just bring me up to speed on everything that I missed. But I did. I tuned in and caught you guys a little bit earlier. Okay, so I was the one that you were yelling at when you were driving around. That, that was me. <laughs> But I agree with you. The throw to Alec Pierce was beautiful. But I look at the overall and I say the interception, that was a poor decision and a forced throw. There were two missed hitch routes with a wide-open tight end, wide-open receiver in Pittman Jr. Three of his seven completions were behind the line of scrimmage. I just look at those things and I'm like, mm, I, I, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Do I just need a hug? Like, what would be your counter to me looking at Richardson's performance like that? I think one thing that you have to take into account is, I mean, obviously the Bills were not, they didn't have all of their starters, you know, out there. But it is worth noting that that was one of the top five scoring defenses in the league last year. So it that is a pretty good group for him to get his first test 
up against, right? Like that is a very stout defensive front, uh, you know, and really good guys top to bottom that they have within that defense. And I think that's a really good thing for Anthony Richardson to see um, and for him to go up against. Yeah, I mean, I think when you take into account uh, the big knock on him coming out of college was how few games he started out of Florida. And then that is his first performance coming in. And you look across, you know, across the board at what do the other rookies do, especially CJ Stroud, you know, and uh, Will Levis and some of these other guys within the AFC South. Look at, you know, I think Bryce Young and the Panthers, I believe, went scoreless. I think they got shut out um, in, in their preseason games. I'm not sure of exactly all of, you know, his statistics or any of the statistics individually, but I don't know. I, I'm trying to think about if there was, you know, any one guy that really lit up the stat sheet from the quarterback, the rookie quarterback perspective. The one guy that did is by no means a rookie and it's the guy coming into Westfield this week Justin Fields with the you know the game that he had um and that just impressive uh work that he that he had the other night um I don't know I think that I don't think that the um criticism is is a bad thing at all I think it's healthy I think everyone sees that perspective you know differently um and I think too that like Anthony Richardson is going to be harder on himself than anybody. And, you know, Shane Steichen certainly has a very high expectation and a high standard for him. So it doesn't bother me that anyone is critical or, you know, they felt like that they were uh, at all disappointed in what they saw, because I assure you, no one is going to assess the tape harder than number five himself. Lara, all the pressure in the world this season not just on Anthony Richardson and other players on the Colts roster, but I would argue more than anyone is on Shaq Leonard. And we've been talking about checking off different boxes for him in his road to a return to football. We know where expectations are going to be week one. He needs to be the high-quality player the Colts believe he can be. But the significance of checking that latest box, which is being on an NFL field for the first time since last November. Oh, I, you know, that's one of the questions I asked him in our interview on the sidelines. How significant of a step was this? And he said it was huge. I mean, this was a massive step just to get out there, put the pads, put the helmet on, you know, line up with your guys. The one thing, you know, one thing he didn't, and he mentioned this in our interview, that he wasn't able to check in terms of the box you need to see is he wasn't able to make contact because all the plays kind of went away from him, right? So, he wasn't necessarily making those hits and tackles that you kind of need to have that be that next level of, okay, now we got to have the feel for that again. He did say, you know, the speed of it, he was able to adjust to that. It was good to get the feel of the game back from a game speed perspective again. But I think if he comes out and again is, you know, in this scenario of, you know, no restrictions, as we go into these two joint practices with the Bears, I think that's a really good indication of where he will be come week one. And that was something that he told me pregame is I need to do this. I need to do this this week because the next week ahead is stacking it and getting me ready and building my confidence. So he, he sees each and every one of these opportunities as as much as it is building back physically and, and looking at, okay, how's the ankle after a game? How's the back after the game? It's also head-wise how you feeling after the game. How, how are you feeling overall? What's your approach? What's your psyche? Are you eager to get back out there? Are you playing tentative? And by all, by all accounts, I saw you know a, a Shaq Leonard that had a massive weight lifted off of his shoulder pads and just being able to get out there again. Now I think it's, all right, go out there, make some tackles and apply some pressure. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As far as um, sideline interviews, who's at the top of the list? Is it Gardner Minshew or somebody else? <laughs> Uh, there's, I will tell you, there's like no bad interview at all. Uh, Gardner's hilarious. He's, he's such a fantastic personality and he's so smart. Like he just gives great analysis and he gives great perspective in terms of, you know, I asked him about the adjustments that they were able to make at the end of the second quarter, uh, you know, when he engineered that two minute drive successfully. So, and, uh, you know, what, what adjustments he was able to make with the offense. I thought that was all great. His assessment of Anthony and, you know, this quarter group, quarterback group as a whole. Um, in terms of specifically Saturday, Isaiah McKenzie was such a highlight for me because he was going back to Buffalo, a place where he played five seasons of his NFL career. He is beloved by that organization, by that fan base. I'm not sure if you guys saw it in the broadcast, but pregame, Matt Wilkening uh, was able to capture video. There was a kid in the stands, his name's Owen, was holding a sign, and he said, one more backflip for old time's sake. And as Isaiah was out there warming up, he saw the sign, lifts the kid, you know, over the side of the stands, over the wall, and they did backflips on the field. So during our interview, I asked Isaiah about it, and he said that young fan and his dad sat in the same spot on the opposite end of the field all last year, and one one day had a sign, Isaiah, I'll challenge you to a backflip, and they did it. So I think it was really cool to see Isaiah back there, and see him back there have such great respect for the Bills organization, but also have such great excitement for the future of the Colts and what his role can be. Obviously significant with his relationship with DeMar Hamlin. They'd been teammates, and he had you know traded messages with DeMar before the game, they had an agreement to meet at midfield at the end of the game, all of those things. And there was a really funny Sean McDermott quote from earlier in the week, if you guys saw this leading up to the game, but he made a comment in his media availability that uh, the game plan revolves around stopping Isaiah McKenzie, and we will double and triple team him if we have to. He said he's public enemy number one, and to drive the point home, I've put a picture of him up in our team room. Obviously, this is just fun preseason banter. And Isaiah loved it and said they actually really did double PME at one point. So <laughs> I think in terms of being in Buffalo and it being that preseason type of environment, Isaiah McKenzie was just such an incredible interview out there. And he's also going to be such an asset for this offense, you know, despite obviously the, the miscommunication um, that we've talked so much about with the interception. That aside, I think that you're going to see some really great things for him as we build through the remainder of the preseason. Well, Lara, it's always good to catch up with you, and uh, you always do a tremendous job on these interviews and your interviews during the game. But uh, thank you for sharing some of your time with us. And thanks for rocking the get, rocking the fan while you're driving around there, huh? That's beautiful. <laughs> I always do. I, I'll text uh, Kevin Bowen almost every morning. Like, I'll be listening to something, and I'll hear, you know, fire him off just a detail or something I might be able to share. Like, I told him about Matt Ryan was up there. Oh, that's kind of another highlight. I got to see Matt Ryan. Uh, he was shadowing Andrew Catalan and Steve Tasker because he'll be with Catalan on CBS this season. So seeing uh, Matty Ice was, was fantastic as well. And I appreciate all the hard work you guys do. Thank you so much for the kind words. Cannot wait to get back at it Saturday night, this time at Lucas Oil Stadium. Amen. Well, thank you very much, Lara. We'll be looking forward to seeing you.
All right. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great week. Thanks, Lara. You too. There she is, Lara Overton, Colts reporter, host, producer.